Welcome to Bridgewater, everybody. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged. Have you been encouraged already? Yeah. Yeah. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and uh, I just, I got to share with you a couple of things before we dive into our, our brand new series called I Quit Being Afraid, whether it's fear, worry, anxiety, whatever it is, we're going to talk about how we can begin to break up uh, with those things, okay? Um, but I want to give you a quick update on a couple things here at Vestal. Several months ago, we talked about really our vision for this year. We started praying. We started going to work in, in a very specific direction. And a lot of you committed yourselves to some things with us. Can I just share with you that as you've been uh, carrying out those commitments, can I just share with you what's been happening? Do you realize that we have seen 12 people trust Jesus here at Vestal alone this year? I, I hope you will just sit in that with me because I sit in that and go, wow, wow, I'm just blown away, you know? So many of you committed yourselves to praying, investing in others, and inviting. Um, do you know that, that six different people have gotten to lead people to Christ right here, right? Six different people, Amen. That is awesome. For me, okay, I'll be honest with you, I jealously want to lead everybody to Christ, but, but when, when you get to, it's even better for me to get to see you come alongside somebody and share the gospel. And so if you're here today and you're wondering what in the world we're talking about, I hope you would just hear Ashley's story and hear what we're going to talk about and know that we believe that, that God is good and he loves you. And um, if there's anything that you'd go, man, I'm just not sure, um, you know, whether or not I could turn my life over to Jesus, I would ask you, keep coming, keep, keep digging into it, okay? All right, let's dig into our series. Um, I want to tell you a little story about, uh, kind of about something that happened in my life. Uh, two years ago, I was at work at the time. I was, you know, working with a church in Kansas City. Um, yeah, it's a foreign country a long ways away. Uh, and um, uh, I, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Nebraska, where the N stands for knowledge, and then moved to, to Kansas. And where, where um, I was at the church, and we had a great team. We, we, we picked on each other a lot and did all kinds of funny pranks on each other. And one day, about 2.30 in the afternoon, I, I grabbed my keys, grabbed my wallet, because I had to get to a meeting. I had to be downtown for something. I walk it past uh, my assistant and, and some of our other pastors in the office there, and as I went outside, um, I was heading straight to my truck. I got halfway across the parking lot before I realized my truck was literally gone. Like, just gone. And I started thinking to myself, did I park someplace else today? <laughs> like, I know I'm old, <laughs> but I'm not that old, am I? Did I forget where I parked? No, I, I know I parked there. I knew I specifically parked there because I had done something very silly. I had, my, my assistant had gotten in before me that morning. I had parked right up so close to her vehicle that she couldn't even open her door. <laughs> Just playing a prank on her. So I thought, okay, maybe she snuck into my office and grabbed my keys and moved my truck. So I ran back in, hey, where's my truck? She's like, what are you talking about? She hadn't taken my truck. 
The other pastors hadn't taken my truck. Nobody took my truck. Nobody knew what was going on. Thankfully, we had, a, we had a camera system. I pulled up the camera really quick, and I realized someone had literally snuck into our parking lot, broke into my truck, and stolen my truck. And it had just happened like five minutes before that. So I get on the phone with the police, call the police, whatnot, get off the phone with the police, they're heading over. I get on the phone with my wife, and I say, honey, you're not going to believe it. Like, somebody literally just stole my truck. She's like, what? Yeah. So my mind is beginning to race. Can you imagine with me what's going on in my mind? I'm starting to think, what's going to happen? How am I, like, am I going to get my truck back? How am I going to continue to be able to work and do all the things that I, what, what are we going to do? My mind is beginning to be filled with all so, sorts of worries and concerns. Can you feel them with me? Please feel them with me so I don't feel so bad. Okay. But as I'm on the phone with my wife, she said, Aaron, hey, okay, I'll come up to the church in a minute. I'm heading to pick up the kids from school. She was backing out of the vehicle or backing out of the, the, the garage. Right at that moment, she said, Aaron, they're here at our house. The person who had stolen my truck had found my insurance card in my vehicle, which had my address on it and had come to my house and my garage door opener was in the vehicle. They were going to break into my home. You can imagine everything that was going through my mind at this point. Is my wife okay? Is everything that I love and care for okay? I said, okay, get off the phone with me, call 911. She called 911, I called 911. We started to get the police there, but here I am, not knowing what's happening with her. I'm five miles away. I had to grab a friend, say, I need you to take me to the house right now. You can imagine everything that was going through my mind. That struggle revealed in me something that previously... I didn't really know about myself. It revealed that I'm actually a fearful person. How about you? I think a lot of us would say, well, yeah, sometimes I'm fearful, it depends, but, but most of my life I'm fine. But the reality is when, when struggles come, when the things that we value, the things that I value are threatened, immediately I begin to struggle with fear. Can you identify Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's possessions. Come on, we're not above that. Let's not act like we're above that. It, those things get threatened. We, we begin to have anxiety and fear and worry and what, what's going to happen. Maybe it's the economy is causing all kinds of fear because you're wondering whether or not that retirement nest egg that you have been working for all of your life, whether or not that is going to last. Maybe it's your kid has just become a teenager and now all of a sudden that kid that was so sweet that you've known all of his or her life is a different human being. <laughs> that nervous laughter tells me, hmm, there might be a few in here. <laughs> See, the reality is that when the things that we value, the things that we care about are threatened, we begin to struggle with fear. I'll, I promise I'll share the end of the story with you. Uh, eventually, I'm not, not, obviously my wife is still alive, which is good, but I'll share the rest of the story with you in a bit. Why does that happen? Why, why is it true that, like, the, the, the National Institute for Health tells us that fully one-third out of every 
out of all Americans struggle with some sort of high anxiety disorder. 31%, one out of three, which tells me in a room like this, there's probably 50 or 60 people who struggle with some sort of high level of anxiety disorder, not to mention maybe even ones that they would classify as a lower level of anxiety. Why do we struggle so much? Well, here's why. Fears, worries, anxieties, they attach themselves to the things that we value. I care about my family. I care about the finances that we have. Let's be honest, right? I care about my home. I care about my kids. I care about my wife. I care about safety and security. I, I often care more than I want to realize about what people think about me and say about me. Can, can you identify with that? And our fears, our worries, our anxieties, they attach themselves to the things that we value. We are not different. And the, reality, the, the, the beautiful thing about Jesus and, and God's word is that God actually addresses this. In fact, he addresses it, you know, more often than not. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the most repeated command in all of scripture is? Is it, is it, well, some of you have just given it away, thank you, okay, that's great. <laughs> is it, you know, I, I mean, the way we would tend to think, we think, well, maybe it's, you know, have no other gods before you, or don't commit adultery, or, you know, don't steal, or something like that. It's, it's not even that. It's actually not even one that's listed in the, in the Ten Commandments, by the way. It is the command, do not be afraid. And do you know what it is? more often than not followed up with this statement, for I am with you. Here's my point. Like if you and I are on an airplane and it's going down and, and we're freaking out and I say to you, hey, don't be afraid, I'm with you. You're gonna be like, who cares? <laughs> but if I'm a trained pilot, like my friend Mark sitting here, who knows what to do and how to handle it. And if he says, don't be afraid, I'm right here. <sighs> and when God steps in and says, don't be afraid, because I'm with you, I'm telling you, that means something. Let me show you what Jesus had to say. And it starts out with, with a verse that may not sound that it is about fear, but if you, if you just stick with me, you, you will see. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in his, in his well-known, well-documented message that he probably delivered several times over, something that's called the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the kingdom of heaven and what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And one of the things that he says is, we, we realize as members of the kingdom of heaven that really we, we, we can trust God. We can trust God when things get rough. But he starts out talking about money which seems really weird. Look at verse 24. Look at what he says. He says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look, look at the, the words here that he uses. He uses these emotion, these feeling words, right? We live in an age that I would probably call an age of feelings or, or, or emotions where we are often controlled by our feelings and emotions. Jesus d 
deals with some of them. He says, hate or love, devoted, you'll be devoted to or you will despise. Well, why does he actually use these words? Here's why. In talking to us about fear and worry and anxiety, he's setting us up and he's revealing something to us that is true about all of us. I found it to be true about me. Here's the idea. My emotions reveal my devotion. When I get upset, it's, ten, it's tending to tell me where I am devoted. <laughs> I get upset when my kids don't want to listen to what I've asked them to. Guess what? I am devoted to them being obedient children. Sometimes I'm very devoted to them just respecting me. Right? I get angry. When I get frustrated, when I get scared, it shows something about what I am devoted to. That is the truth about you and me. And here's the thing. God gave us our emotions. Your emotions aren't bad, but your emotions are designed to be a thermometer, not a thermostat. Do do you know the difference? A thermometer tells you the temperature in the room. A thermostat sets the temperature in the room. Your emotions are designed to tell you what's going on, not to take control. And the problem that we have here today is this. Not only do our emotions reveal our devotions, but we've entered into a, a, a culture, a culture that says your emotions are meant to be the thing you are devoted to. Our emotions have become our devotion. Don't believe me? Let me just read something to you from a theologian. His name is Thaddeus Williams. He says this. For most of human history, feelings were the kind of things that could be embraced, resisted, ignored, celebrated, chastened, silenced, trained, or challenged. Our ancestors could do a whole lot with their emotions. The freedom of our day is far more limiting. You have one option when it comes to your heart. Follow it. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a bigot, a phobic, a hater, or worse. Given the unprecedented authority granted to emotion in our day, it is accurate to describe this as the age of feeling. A couple examples, okay? In Disney's Mulan soundtrack, anybody like Mulan? That was, that was, it was pretty cool, right? Stevie Wonder teaches young impressionable minds, don't think so much. You must be true to your heart. Your heart can tell you no lies. That's in the song. Anybody ever heard of the, the, the um, musician Jojo Siwa? Okay, if you have, you've probably had young girls, okay? Um, you, you know, or maybe young boys, I don't know, that's whatever. Uh, but, so packed auditoriums of adolescents, hands outstretched in a worship pose, sing in unison with pop star Jojo Siwa. No, no, nobody can change me, change me. I follow my own lead. Once you get to know me, you'll see, got all these emotions, they're guiding every moment. See, our age of feeling is hardly stable. It is collapsing all around us into the age of anxiety. We are told that anxiety disorders now affect a whopping one-third of adolescents between the ages of 13 and 18. It's no accident that the age of feeling is giving way to the age of anxiety. We are creatures and not the creator. We were never designed to bear the impossible weight of creating and sustaining our identities. That is a God-sized task. And whenever we elevate ourselves to supreme status, playing God, anxiety inevitably spikes. Okay, here's, here's my point. Worries attach themselves to the things that we value, and they do more than that. They lie to us. They actually lie to us by 
getting us to ask the question, what if? (laughs) What if something happens to my kids? What if the plane goes down? What if the stock market crashes? What if I lose my job? What if she doesn't like me? What if he talks bad about? What if they don't accept me? It gets us to ask, what if? So what in the world do we do? What in the world do we do? Well, here's where I want to take a minute and and just humor me. Would you humor me, okay? Because there's a very serious point that we're heading to, but I want to have a little bit of fun for a minute. What if we took a page out of the patron saint of uh, breakup songs, the great T. Swizzle, the great Taylor Swift, and we followed her lead? Watch this. What if we did this? great if we could just say that to worry? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, hey, we are never, ever, ever getting back together to fear, worry, anxiety. What do you think? Amen? Are we done? Is that it? Yeah. Here's the thing. I have have a young daughter. I have heard that song blasted. I should have worn my I Heart Taylor shirt today, okay? I should have. Um, Yes, I have one of those. I'm very sorry. Someone gave it to me. I wish it were that simple. I really do. I wish it were that simple. But I will tell you, there are things that we can do, and they show up in Matthew chapter 6. See, here's, here's what we are called to do. We're called to quit fear by confronting the lies of fear and believing God's truth. So today I want to just, I just want to share with you very simply Four ways to tell worry, fear, anxiety, I quit. We're done. That's it. We are never, ever, ever, ever getting back together. Okay, I'm not going to jump like, like Taylor, okay? But there are ways that we can tell worry, I quit. See, the first shows up in the next couple verses. Well, actually back in verse 24. But the first shows up, and here's the first step to telling worry, fear, anxiety, I quit. We have got to confront the lie that worry tells us. We've got to confront it. Let me me show you, okay? Go back to verse 24 real quick. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and you'll love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What's going on here? Money likes to tell you that you can take care of yourself. Money likes to tell you that you are the captain. You are in control. You are the one who can can make everything happen. You are the one. If you can just work hard enough and gain enough, then you will never, ever need anything else. Jesus puts his finger on one of our biggest fears in verse 24. 
It tells you, it also whispers in your ear when, when, the, when maybe your, your, you know, the 401k starts to dip or maybe you're, you, uh, you, you, know, you have some financial struggles and you had to all of a sudden pay some things you weren't expecting. It starts to whisper in your ear and say, oh, you're not going to have enough. You're, you know, you're, what are you going to do? And it, it causes us to begin to hear and potentially believe a lie. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to confront the lie. We need to fight back. We need to say, wait a minute. This is God's world. It's God's money. God gave it to me. God is the one who's taken care of me all along the way. I will not believe the lie that worry has started to tell me. Now, there could be a number of other worries. You could have a worry that says, oh, no, they're getting on that plane. What if that plane crashes? You could have a worry about your kids. They're going off to school. What if, they're, what if something bad happens? You could have a, a myriad of, of different worries. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to say, wait a minute, I will be devoted to God. I will be devoted to the fact that he is in charge and in control. That's who he is. And we confront the lie. See, the lie that money will solve your problems, the lie that God isn't in control, the lie that we can control our own lives or control our kids or control every situation, that causes us to begin to give in to worry and fear. We have to confront the lie. Second, we have to confess the worry. We have to be honest about it. We have to confess it. Look, look at what comes up in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Here's the command. Do not worry about your life. Well, cool. That settles it. I guess I won't worry anymore. No, it, it's not going to be that easy. You're going to have to confess the fact that we do worry. Go to God. Talk to him. Tell him. I wonder if you're taking notes here today, if you would just write down like the top one or two worries that you have. I, I wonder what that would do. Because in the end, we're going to talk about some ways that we can confront it. But, but Jesus starts out by telling us, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Well, we would say, yeah, the answer is yes. We would all say, yes, there's more to life than just those th things. But those things matter, Right? Our clothes matter. Our home matters. Being able to eat matters, right? Okay, Jesus follows it up in verse 26. He says this, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. They don't have fields. They don't have tractors. They don't have plows. They don't have planters. They don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus says two things. God already takes care of all of his creation. Number two, you're worth more than the birds. I just want to say that again for those in the back, just in case you didn't hear it. You, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, you are worth more than the birds. You need to hear that because you are made in the image of God. And then he rounds out this section by saying this, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How many of you have added any time? I'll tell you what I've added. I didn't get to look this great. Wow, that was my wife. Thank you, everyone. What I mean is my white and gray hair, okay? 
Uh, I'm sure some of it I inherited. My grandfather was very, very white and gray. But I also know that the reality is I've wrestled with fear, worry, and anxiety. I've wrestled with seasons uh, that have led me into what I would probably call a, a, a depression. And it wasn't until I could put my finger on the things that I was worrying about and, and confess them and say, Lord, I need your help, that things started to change. I wonder what would happen if you would just confess it. I'm, I'm not saying that it'll just change everything instantaneously, but I am saying it is a piece of the puzzle. If we would confess it, Lord, I am worrying about money. What then? What do we do then? Well, here's the thing. We go to the next step, which is this. Believe that God is faithful and caring. Believe that that's who God is, that he, he actually is faithful. Like when he says something, he will do it. When he says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. When he says that, he'll do it. Now every time I'm just going to, never, ever, ever. I'm just going to hear that every time, okay? So you, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. You'll, you'll hear that, okay? The reality is that God is faithful. Uh, and, and you may have questions about that. You may say, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I've experienced God being faithful or caring. Okay, I get that. Can I, can I extend to you um, an, an, an optional challenge? Would you try him? Would you say, God, I am worrying about this. Would you please help? Would you please show yourself faithful? Look at the text. It says in verse 28. Look at what it says. And why do you worry about clothes? Well, okay, just really quick. Um, I, I kind of prefer them. <laughs> right? Okay, that's not what Jesus is asking. He's just saying, he's just saying, hey, why are we so worried? Why are we so worried? And he's just talking about clothes as an example. Why are we so worried? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. They don't, they don't do anything to produce their clothing. This week has been phenomenal. How many of you, your flowers are coming up, right? Like we, got out, we walked out this morning to come here, and my daughter has built a fairy garden at our house. How cool is that, right? It's awesome. Yeah, she is way cuter than I will ever be. But here's the thing. Like, she's built this fairy garden, and there's flowers everywhere. We didn't know they were there. Like, we just got our property. You know, we got our property in the fall. We had no clue that there were all these spring flowers there. It is beautiful. How did they get so beautiful? They didn't do it. I didn't do it. My daughter didn't do it. God did it. They don't labor. They don't spin. God did it. Verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the richest man to have ever lived, or let's just say Jeff Bezos, or let's say whoever, no one in all of their splendor was ever dressed like one of these. What's the point? Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, verse 32, for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Believe that God is faithful and he cares for you. 
To me, this is the greatest step that we could ever take in fighting our fears, our worries, and anxieties. That God knows you. He knows you intimately. He sees you. He sees the intricacies of your life. He sees the fears, the worries, the concerns that you have. He knows the path ahead. He is good, and he is working for your good. That's who he is. I mean, Ashley's story was filled with valleys, but we don't have the mountaintops without the valleys. That's the reality. Don't miss this too. Your heavenly father, who is God? He is your father. Can I tell you something? I would do anything for my children. And I am not the world's best father. Don't, get, don't take me wrong. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, I, I'm just a normal father. I would do anything for my children if they needed it. Imagine how much better God is. He's way more godly, way more patient, way more loving, way more faithful than I am. He is your father. So go to him. Believe that he is faithful. See, one good thing can come out of our fears and our worries and anxieties. Our fears and our worries and anxieties can serve as a signpost to say, look to God when your fears come up. Let them tell you, look to God. When your worries come up, let them tell you, look to God. The reality is fear can point you to the knowledge of God. It can tell you, it's that thermostat or thermometer that's telling you, hey, something's wrong, look to God. Something's wrong, look to God. Something's wrong, look to God. Rather than it telling us, hmm, you should just go and do whatever feels right. Now we should look to God. Years ago, we memorized as a family these verses, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. We memorized them because one of our children, I don't remember who it was, but one of our children was struggling with fear at night when they went to bed. And so we memorized these verses. It said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mortals do to me? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I wonder what would happen if you commit that to memory. Fourth, how do we tell worry? How do we tell fear? How do we tell anxiety? I quit or I'm done. How do we break up with fear, worry, and anxiety? Well, we have to seek something. We have to seek first what will last. We have to seek first what will last. Let me show you. Jesus ends this section of his teaching with, with these two verses, verses 33 and 34. He says this in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We have all these fears. Guess what? We seek after God. We go after what God has told us to prioritize, okay? We seek the things that will last. What, what, what will last? Things that glorify him, Right? Things that result in others growing in Jesus and knowing that they'll be able to spend eternity with Jesus, right? You know? Verse 34, he goes on, he says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, the kingdom of God is secure. God has it. Our worry will not change anything. So we seek first what will last. All right. So let me, look, let me just remind you of these four, four steps that we can take to quit worry, okay? Here's what they are. 
confront the lie, confess the worry, believe that God is faithful and caring, and seek first what will last. Now, a few minutes ago, I told you, um, or I asked you to maybe write down a couple of your, your fears. I want you to just take a minute, just, just 15 seconds, and think, what are some of your greatest fears? If you haven't already, write them down. What are your greatest fears? Whatever they are, they, they tell us about something that's going on in our hearts. And now, we need to confront the lies. Now, we need to confess the worry. Now, we need to believe that God is faithful. What, what, what is God doing in that? Does it have to do with your kids or money or your family or relationships or how people see you or whatever it is? Whatever it is, believe that God is faithful and caring. Finally, start seeking the things that will last. I want to give you a tool that you can use. We're going to be in this series for the next, well, you know, uh, three more weeks after today. Which gives you about a month's time. And I would invite you to do a study with me. There's a study that I found on, on Uversion. Uversion is a, an app for your phone or your, your, your tablet. And it allows you to be able to study the Bible. It's just a Bible app, okay? And they have a number of study tools. There's a, there's a tool that's called the Character and Attributes of the Godhead or the Character and Attributes of God. See, I would invite you to do this study. If you want to scan this, you can, can do it. I'm going to put it on our Facebook page later today, okay? If you have a question about it, come and grab me. We'll get it to you. I would invite you to, for the next 31 days to jump in and just start looking at who is God so that way when I am faced with fears, I can run to my great God who says, do not fear for I am with you. He is that pilot that I need when the plane is going down. Now, what happened with my wife and I? I learned that my wife is tough as nails. Do you know what she did? She pulled out of the driveway and started chasing after the guy in my truck. <laughs> yeah. She followed him and followed him and followed him until he broke about every law that could be broken and got away. Here's the thing. I didn't hear from her for a bit, and my mind was racing. Thankfully, I was in the truck with, with a pastor friend, and he grabbed me and said, Aaron, we're just going to pray. He was driving. I was freaking out. He was praying. We prayed. We asked the people of the church to pray. We put it out on Facebook. Can I just have to tell you, within about, what, within about six hours, we had the truck back. I was afraid it was going to be torn up. Well, it was a little bit. But God provided. God provided what we needed. The truck had to be worked on for a while. A friend stepped up, let us borrow a truck. Here's what I'm telling you. Of all the times I've been afraid, I've had plenty of them. Fears with money. My wife keeps reminding me, Aaron, God has never let us down. God has never left us with that with what out we need, right? Fears with this, with the truck being stolen, 
I got to see God on the move. I just wonder what he's doing in your life. I wonder what would happen if you would surrender to him and say, you know what, God, I quit. I'm breaking up with worry. I'm going to trust you. Father, please help us. We're weak. We're frail. It's very easy for us to trust ourselves and to trust what we can see and touch and taste and, and feel. And yet, God, you are so big. You amaze me. You've been amazing me here in the Vestal campus. You've been amazing me at what you've been doing and changing lives. So, God, I just pray that you would help us to lean in and trust you day after day. I can very quickly have worries about tomorrow, but you tell me, hey, tomorrow, tomorrow is, is another deal. This is, I want you to trust me today. Please help me to trust you today and help us to confess the lies and the worries and to lean in and trust you. Pray in Jesus' name.